My name is Gilberto Lopes. I'm a medical oncologist at the uh, Sylvester Comprehensive Cancer Center at the University of Miami in Miami, Florida, United States. Fine. Now, can you tell me this uh, remarkable study... What was the issue that you were tackling here? Why did you need to investigate whether pembrolizumab could rival chemotherapy or or, or be better than chemotherapy? Absolutely. So we have known for a few years that a number of immunotherapy agents have been approved for the treatment of locally advanced and metastatic non-small cell lung cancer. We started by using these agents in patients that had progressed Uh, classic chemotherapy and had failed initial therapy, we have started to use this in combination of chemotherapy. And what we set up to do approximately four years ago was to look at the patient population that had a PD-L1 expression of 1% and above and see if in that population pembrolizumab was better, equivalent, or worse as compared to classic chemotherapy. What proportion of patients have such an expression of PD-L1? Approximately two-thirds to three-quarters of patients have at least 1% expression of PD-L1 using the monoclonal antibody 22C3, which is the one that we have used in the pembrolizumab trials. And some have even more expression. And many have even more. So within the trial, so for those patients that express at least 1%, about half of those patients express 50% or greater. So overall, we have about a third of patients do not express anything, and a third of patients express more than 50% PD-L1. So what did you do in the study? We randomized patients to receive either pembrolizumab with the usual fixed dose of 200 milligrams every three weeks versus chemotherapy, which could be carboplatin with either paclitaxel or pembrolizumab for patients with non-squamous disease, and patients received that therapy until progression or until um, intolerable side effects. In the second interim analysis, which happened 38.3 months after the first patient was enrolled, our data monitoring committee let us know that the results were positive for overall survival, so we should stop the trial for that specific endpoint, which was our primary endpoint. Right, so primary endpoint, overall survival. What other endpoints did you have? The primary endpoint was overall survival in the three different PD-L1 populations, 50% Above and above, 20% and above, and 1% and above. And if that was positive, we would then test the secondary endpoints of progression-free survival in the same three populations and overall response rate in the same three populations and finally toxicity for every patient enrolled and treated with 1% and above. Could you run me through the data then that came out of your study in the findings? Absolutely. So we have three slides that I'm going to be showing and I hope you have access for your uh, listeners that show the overall survivals for 50% and above, 20% and higher, and 1% and greater. And what these show is that for the 50% and above, we had a hazard ratio of 0.69 and a p-value of 0.0003, which was statistically significant, and it's a clinically important difference. I'm also going to mention the numbers for the 1% and higher, in which we had a hazard ratio of 0.81, so still a 20% improvement in overall survival, and a p-value of 0.0012. The medium, progr- uh, the medium overall survival improved between four and eight months, depending on the degree of PD-L1 expression. We did test as well for the progression-free survival endpoint in the group that expressed 50% and above. And in that group, although the hazard ratio was, was around 0.8, the p-value of 0.00, the 0.19 that we found was not low enough to actually reach the threshold of significance for the instrument analysis. We needed a p-value of 0.015, and we got a p-value of 0.019, which means that we will continue follow-up in the study to reassess the progression-free 
survival endpoint in the 50% and above. Because of that, all of the other endpoints that I'm presenting, we do not have formal statistical analysis, and we cannot say if they're statistically significantly better or not. But when we look at response rates, and especially at the duration of response, duration of response was much longer for pembrolizumab than for chemotherapy. In most groups, we saw an improvement from about eight to nine months with chemotherapy to approximately 20 months with pembrolizumab. And what about toxicity with this checkpoint inhibitor? What was the comparison like there? And finally, and maybe most importantly, toxicity was lower with immunotherapy. So pembrolizumab only had about half of the severe grade 3 to 5 toxic effects that chemotherapy did. If we look overall, even though patients on the pembrolizumab arm had a medium of nine cycles of treatment versus six cycles with chemotherapy, patients had, 60% of patients had adverse events as compared to 90% of patients in chemotherapy. As I mentioned, for severe AEs, we had a rate of about 17 to 18% for pembrolizumab versus 40 to 41% for chemotherapy. So besides being more effective, pembrolizumab was also less toxic. So this is certainly a home run as a new treatment option for patients that have an expression of at least 1% and above. And in broad figures, what does this mean in terms of patients with advanced non-small cell lung cancer contemplating further therapy? So this is a new step um, that brings us to a point where our patients have more options and have an increased survival. We do have to put this in context with the studies that we are seeing with combinations of chemotherapy and immunotherapy, and we will have to learn how to identify which patients can do best with immunotherapy as single agent and which patients will need combinations with chemotherapy. And that's where most of the research is going to be going through in the next few weeks to months. We're going to be doing some retrospective analysis and some pre-plan analysis of clinical characteristics to see if we can tease out which patients actually did the best with immunotherapy as a single agent. But the majority of your patients did better with the single agent immunotherapy, even when you didn't consider uh, um, uh, combinations. Absolutely. Based on the primary endpoint and on the way we tested our primary endpoint, we did show that patients who expressed pd one at 1% or greater had a much better overall survival than patients who got chemotherapy when they received pembrolizumab. What are the clinical implications? So the clinical implication is that pembrolizumab is a new therapy for patients who express pd one at 1% and above. And take her message? Take-home message is patients have another option that they can now discuss with their physicians, especially if they do not want to get chemotherapy and if they are one of the patients who are more likely to respond to immunotherapy based on their pd one expression. I'm John Hamack, the chairman of Thoracic Head and Neck Medical Oncology at University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center uh, and ASCO expert. What is your understanding, first of all, of what we have heard today? What, what are the basic data coming out of this extremely interesting study? Yeah, well, this is an important milestone for the field because for the first time, for the majority of non-small cell lung cancer patients, again, this is the population that has a PDL one greater than 1%, which represents more than two-thirds of patients without driver mutations, uh, they received more benefit from pembrolizumab alone as compared to chemotherapy. So this says the majority of non-small cell lung cancer patients can start with a non-chemotherapy regimen, which is really a major advance. Can you explain how the landscape has changed from uh, chemotherapy was king at one time? What's been happening recently? Yeah, well, the 
landscape is changing uh, now at, in a week-by-week basis, which really is uh, breathtaking and very uh, exciting and, and obviously wonderful for patients. From the early 1970s until the early 2000s, chemotherapy was really the only option uh, for patients with advanced non-small cell lung cancer. And that was usually platinum doublets, so platinum combined with another drug like paclitaxel or gemcitabine or, or pemetrexid. But all of them had pretty comparable efficacy and was very marginal with substantial toxicities. So the median survival for that group in large randomized studies was on the order of about eight months. And this is as early as, uh, as, as recent as the early 2000s. Uh, in, in the, um, around 2004, 2005, the first major driver mutation, EGFR, was identified. And patients who have EGFR mutations, and it's about 12 to 15% of the population, receive wonderful benefit from an EGFR inhibitor by itself such as erlotinib, uh, gefitinib, afatinib. More recently, uh, osimertinib has, has uh, uh, proven to be superior there. Um, the next major driver mutation was ALK, and right now, electinib would be a standard of care as the starting point uh, for patients with ALK mutations. That's about 4%. So you see, on the order of 15 to 20% have driver mutations that we can target right from the onset with the pill. For all the rest, chemotherapy remained the standard. Now, more recently, uh, in uh, April, we heard the results of the Keynote 189 study. And that, for non-squamous, and if we think of the two major groups of non-small cell lung cancer being squamous and non-squamous, for non-squamous, the larger subgroup, chemotherapy plus pembrolizumab, the PD-1 inhibitor, was superior to uh, chemotherapy alone. And in the Keynote 189 study, that applied to all subgroups, not just the PDL1 positive. So there, for the first time, we can say all non-squamous patients who don't have a driver can benefit from uh, uh, immunotherapy. Uh, today, with chemotherapy, the Keynote 407 study was announced, and that said that for squamous, the other major subgroup, Chemotherapy with pembrolizumab was superior to chemotherapy. Um, so now you can say that adding immunotherapy to chemotherapy helps patients. But the study today, the Keynote 42, is an important advance because it's testing immunotherapy by itself without chemotherapy. And it's for all the patients who had PDL1 greater than 1%. And it showed that immunotherapy alone with no chemotherapy was superior. Uh, to chemotherapy. And because immunotherapy is so well tolerated, uh, this really is a double win for patients. Not only is survival improved, but they can receive something that's dramatically easier and, uh, to receive and better tolerated uh, as compared to, to chemotherapy. So survival is the big improvement, a, a much lower toxicity. What other improvements are there? Yeah, I, I think uh, if you look at response rate, the percentage of patients who had major shrinkage in their tumor, it's a bit better, but that doesn't really capture the, the, the full story because uh, the responses are different in those receiving immunotherapy than chemotherapy. Those who receive chemotherapy tend to have more transient responses where they get tumor shrinkage, but it starts to grow more quickly. Those who receive immunotherapy, if they respond, often have very durable responses. In fact, in many cases, it can go for years. So one notable finding from the study is if you look at the percentage of people uh, that are long-term survivors going out two, three years, or even longer, uh, that really is significantly improved with immunotherapy as compared to chemotherapy.
What is the basic take-home message for cancer doctors coming out of this announcement? The the most important message is that the majority of non-small cell lung cancer patients of any histology, uh, and again, this is all those with the PD-L1 greater than 1%, uh, those patients may receive more benefit from immunotherapy alone than chemotherapy alone. Now, there are still some questions, for example, how do you compare immunotherapy alone versus immunotherapy with chemotherapy? Or is combination immunotherapy better than individual immunotherapy? Uh, But those are all questions for a later date. As of today, it's clear that just immunotherapy by itself is better than chemotherapy for the vast majority of non-small cell lung cancer patients. What is the influence of this fact that uh, most patients with lung cancer now should not be, uh, with advanced lung cancer, should not now get chemotherapy as the first-line approach? Well, I think this is going to dramatically improve the lives of cancer patients uh, everywhere with lung cancer because uh, their quality of life is really dramatically better on immunotherapy than it is on chemotherapy. So not only are they living longer, um, but their, their day-to-day existence, I think, is significantly improved uh, now that you don't have the hair loss the numbness and tingling in the, in the fingers and toes, the nausea, uh, knocking down the immune system and getting infections, all the things that go along with chemotherapy uh, can be delayed or in some cases avoided entirely. Now, immunotherapy has some rare toxicities, but they're usually easily manageable and do not tend to impact patients' day-to-day uh, existence very much at all. So the majority of patients come in, and it's more or less a social visit, uh, you know, when we talk about uh, how their kids are doing or their favorite sports team, not about their, you know, toxicities.